Amen. Thank you, worship team. Well, good morning. It's good to be here. I have enjoyed several weeks off. It's been a good respite for me. I want to welcome my dear, have my wife up here with me. This is the, for the record, the very first time she's ever joined me on a platform for more than five minutes for some presentation or something. So thank you for being so willing and excited about being here with me this morning. She's so excited. After the first service, she said, we have to do that again? (laughs) Hey, it's good to see you all. There's a lot of you here this morning. This uh, This is fun. It reminds me of the old days, you know, back in the, you know, January and February. So this morning is part four of our series called Family Practice, and I want to thank the other staff and the other um, staff spouses that have joined them and that have shared with all of you this month of uh, August. And this morning, my wife and I are talking about parenting adult children, and uh, we've got our family as well on the screen. My wife's going to introduce our family, so many of them that you don't ever get to see. So this is our oldest daughter, Alyssa, and her husband, Josh. They live in Virginia with their three children, Addie, Lucas, and Caden, three, three, and under. So the pitcher, they're in witness protection, <laughs> what they are. Actually, this was the, uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was there, with, we were both there for just a week, um, we watched the kids and they got to go out And they took that selfie of themselves out for the first time since January by themselves without the kids, so. This is our oldest son, Joel, and his wife, Samantha. And you can see our oldest grandchild, Knox, is there with his fish that he caught. And Kyla. And this is our son, Doug his wife, Keisha, and Cash, and Reagan. And you all know Mitch, and this is his fiance, Emily. So when we went to our church in New York, there was a pastor on staff. He was old. He was like 50. (laughs) And he had three adult kids that, that didn't live with him anymore, and he had one boy at home who I got to know. And every once in a while, these other kids would come with their spouses and grandkids and stuff, and I never really knew who they were. I knew, I knew Bob, but I didn't know his kids, and it occurs to me that I'm the old guy now, and, you know, Trenton is here, and he doesn't really know my older ones. So what goes around comes around. But those are our kids. And, you know, we often think that when our kid turns 18, that they go off on their own, and then we're done with the parenting, right? We've, we, we use the term launch. We've launched them and we're done with parenting. But it occurred to me as we were preparing that if I'm 30 years old and we have a kid, and I'm 48 when that kid graduates and goes off to college, and let's say they never return, but I live another 40 years until I'm 88, I will actually have been a parent of an adult kid more than twice as long as I was a parent of a kid that was actually in my home. And our parenting doesn't end. If you're 23 and have a kid, then you're 41 when they go off, and if you live another 50 years until you're 91, well, that's 50 years that you're a parent of an adult kid. So when you launch launch your kids, your parenting is really 
it's just getting started. It's just getting started. It's not like, I don't think that when, when you left home at 18, well, there may be some exceptions here, but that you wanted to have nothing to do with your parents. If, if you were blessed to have a good relationship with your folks, you want that relationship to continue. And I have to imagine that if you're in this room this morning, you hope that with your kids, whether they're adult kids or younger, that you, you want your relationship with them to continue uh, well for many years. When our daughter, she was our oldest, and when she was getting ready to, be, to go out of the house and go to college, I was talking to one of my elders, and I was bemoaning the fact that, you know, it's over, it's over, she's leaving. And he said to me, Jeff, you're, you're, not, you're not losing her. You're still going to need to parent her, and she's still going to need a dad. It just looks differently. You're just going to parent differently. And that really, really got me thinking. But it was, it was an event when we took our daughter off to college. Yeah, taking your oldest, we didn't know what we were doing. She didn't know what she was doing. She thought she did, but um, taking your oldest away uh, off to college, um, she's always been our our strong-willed, know what she knows what she wants to do, and uh, she didn't really have too many doubts about the fact that she wanted to be a nurse, and she found uh, a college, Indiana Wesleyan University, and we were in Northwest Iowa at the time, so we packed up our whole family, all her stuff, and we drove to Indiana, which seemed really, really far away, and it actually is far away from Northwest Iowa, and um, so we made the journey and moved all her stuff in the dorm, and um, the night before, her youngest brother, Mitch, um, cried himself to sleep because his sister was going away to college, and he was kind of inconsolable because he said, life will never be the same again, very dramatically, and he was kind of right. Um, but so we all went, and as we we're driving away, um, I just remember seeing cornfields everywhere because Indiana has corn, kind of like Iowa, and I just remember the feeling of wanting to run into the cornfield and just scream and cry and yell, and it went against every um, mothering instinct that I had to, to leave her there where she didn't know anybody and we had no connections there, and um, she was excited about it, but we were feeling like our hearts were being uh, torn out, and um, so yeah, that was a rough, that was a rough time. I wasn't prepared when, when I left her and she had to get off. They were starting something for the freshmen. She had, Dad, I gotta go, I gotta go. I'm like, well, Alyssa, one more. No, I gotta go, and she just took off. So I dejectedly walked back to the vehicle and got in, and we started off campus. I just started sobbing, like not just crying, like racking, shaking sobs. And as I recall, as we drove to Kokomo <laughs> to stay overnight, I remember I just, we, we, I just sobbed for like 30 minutes, and I could not stop. And recently, I followed this guy on social media, and I listened to his podcast, and I heard him say that he was taking his daughter, his oldest, off to college in, in a couple weeks. He was all, you know, talking about it and excited. And so I private messaged him, and I, I basically told him, if you're anything like me, just be aware it's going to be really hard. A couple weeks later, after the event, he messaged me back. We don't really, we don't know each other, but he messaged me back and he said, hey, thanks for telling me that. It was really hard. 
I wouldn't have been at all prepared for it, but it was in the back of my mind that I didn't think it was going to be hard, but it was really hard. And then after our daughter, then we had took our three sons and we were like, you know, get going. It was fine. But that first kid, that first kid changes your family because all the little chickies aren't in the nest anymore and it just cha- it changes your family. So in preparing for this morning, we realized, and we never really listed them before, we realized there, there are actually three principles that we've live by in, in our relationship with our adult kids. And now that's uh, 14 years ago that Alyssa went off to college. And the three principles, and we'll, we'll unpack them, but it's time over time. And Londa introduced that concept of investing, time over time, and then growth over time, and then belief over time. And we're going to unpack those. But first, I want to read to you from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. As we were talking about Scripture, and you know there's a lot in the Bible about parenting. A lot of it has to do with instruction and discipline and, you know, teaching your your son or your daughter to be wise. And those are all good things. We're going to assume those those are kind of givens. I mean, there's a lot. We could have gone through all kinds of verses and Proverbs, and it would have been like a parenting seminar. But my wife said to me, you know, what about Ecclesiastes chapter 3, where it talks about a time for things? And I said, you know, that, that's a really, we looked at that, that's a really good passage. So I want to read that to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, you're familiar with it, but think about it in terms of parenting, because parenting is a journey that has a lot of different stages to it. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die. A few years ago, on April the 7th, early in the dark hours of the morning, my Aunt Margaret, who was the matriarch of my dad's family, she was a huge influence in our life, she died. And a couple hours later, my grandson Cash was born. So in, within hours, one Katie left the scene and another one showed up to take their place. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. Some things have been uprooted in our community recently. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. That's happening. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A few weeks ago, our son got engaged. And just yesterday, I was on the phone with my three sisters who were around my mom's bed as they gave her her first dose of morphine. So there's times to mourn, there's times to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak up. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. That fits with parenting. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. You know, there are all kinds of different times in parenting. And those of you who have been parents for a long time, in your mind's eye in just seconds, you can see all these snapshots of the day the baby was born. And it was all a promise, you know? And then the poopy diapers, and then the naughtiness and the discipline. 
and then off to school, and then the proud moments, and then the scary moments, and then the victories, and the injuries, and then the independence and the leaving. And in all of that, there's a lot of times as we parent our kids, a lot of different stages. So this morning, we want to talk about these three principles. And the first one is time over time. Over time, what my wife and I have decided to do is we've decided to give time to our kids. And time in two ways. Number one, in presence, not E-N-T-S, but E-N-C-E, presence, to be with our kids. And then time number two, in communication, to talk with our kids, to hear from them and listen, and to share information with them. You know, it's important to be physically present with our kids. God said through the Old Testament and then Jesus in the New Testament, I will be with you over and over. And there's a time when your kid doesn't want you to be with them. But then there'll be a time when your kid wants you to be there. So for us to be there is important. So a couple weeks ago, you and I took off and we went to uh, Virginia and I stayed for a week in the home with the three little kids, 900 square feet, single level home. And after a week, I needed to come back. There was things I needed to, or responsibilities in Iowa that I needed to take care of. But my wife stayed in the crazy house for, three, for two more weeks, two more weeks. So we were talking about why you felt it's important. And you've been doing that since Alyssa graduated college and went off on her own. Yeah, um, before Alyssa was married, she lived in Nashville and was a nurse there. And um, then she got married and she lives in Virginia. And so um, it was important for me to spend time with her. She's my only daughter and um, I knew that if I was going to spend quality time with her, that I was going to have to learn to fly by myself. And um, the first number of times it was it was rough and I did a lot of praying but um, it was it was worth it to me to be able to get to the other side and to see her and to spend time with her so since then I can't think of how many times I have flown back and forth by myself um, but that was something that uh, that was important and now this uh, last three weeks that I was there with her she has three kids that are three years old and under and some with some special needs. And um, so I felt like if I was going to go and be there, I wanted it to count. And I wanted the kids to um, remember me. I wanted to help um, to give my daughter a break and my son-in-law and to just be an extra set of hands and set of eyes to keep track of what the kids were into. and. Um, so we always, when we're together, we always make a lot of new memories. We, we do a lot of laughing and um, things, you know, all the inside jokes and things that you have with your kids. And we also um, relive a lot of old memories and talk about things. And it's the same with our other kids, too. We always like to go over things and hear new things that we didn't know were happening when they were little that they now tell us now that they're grown up and um, some things we still don't know who did what back in the day, and we never will probably. Um, but just being there and creating more memories and reliving old memories and being helpful and just being a part of their lives and not just being a face on FaceTime, which is we're really thankful for, um, 
but just to be there, and it was very hard for me to leave and say goodbye. You always ne needed me to be on the plane with you before mm -hmm. that. She, she could, not, could not fly alone. And then Alyssa lived in Nashville. Where is my ticket, she said. <laughs> and somehow when your kids need you, right, you can do things that you couldn't do in the past, and she has certainly done that um, and, and very well. There was a Tuesday night a few years ago that uh, I left and I went, I call, gave my son Doug a call and I said, uh, how about we get together tonight? And so I went down to Sioux City where he was going to college, lived in an apartment with some friends, and he and I went out to eat. We went to Who Hot, which is his favorite restaurant, and maybe mine, and we went to Who Hot, and then we went to hy V there in Sioux City, and, and uh, I bought him a bunch of groceries to take home, and then on our way out, we stopped at the gas pumps, and I filled up his car, and we talked for a little bit there. It was a beautiful night. Uh, I remember that night, I remember walking through the store, I remember him calling his aunt and, and talking to her about preparing some meal and buying some stuff. And I said to my wife that night, I said, do you know why I'm going? She said, why? I said, because I can, because he's the one I can get to. Alyssa's in Virginia, and Joel had just gotten married, and he was with Samantha in Detroit, where she was in her third year of medical school, and of course Mitch was with us, and Doug was the one I could get to, and I wanted to spend that time with him. That was a Tuesday night, and that Friday night was the night that he had his terrible accident. And I remember as we were wondering how things were going to turn out, thinking, I'm so glad that I spent that time with him. So presence is something that's been important to us, and we've tried to be physically present with our kids. And then communication, you talked about FaceTime. I call it the FaceTime chaos. She'll be in the love seat in the living room, and I can hear everything going on in the background at my daughter's house, and I'm just like, I need to go downstairs. I've got something to do in my office. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's like chaos, but she spends a lot of time talking to our daughter. The other night I was on the phone with one of my boys, and I realized, you know, your phone tells you how long you've been on with. An hour and a half we were talking, because communication is important, but it takes work to communicate and it even takes work to keep the lines of communication open with our kids. And my wife is early to bed, and I'm late to bed by nature. And when our kids were in high school, there was never one night that any of our kids, while they were in high school, ever came home and we were both asleep in bed. I always, always, always stayed up to chat, to smell my son's breath, make sure, you know, they were doing what they should be doing that night. And it was never a night. There was never a night when any of my boys could ever sneak in and having done something. So therefore, I was to find out years later that that was helpful. That was helpful for them to always know that dad was going to be awake when they came in. But I also wanted to talk. I wanted to communicate with them and keep that communication up. So principle number one is time over time. Number two that we've tried to live by is growth over time, growth over time. That over time, we continue to grow. That we don't all of a sudden arrive and we're, you know, we're the parents, you know, we know it all, our kids can come home to the fount of knowledge and get wisdom from us, but that we have to continue growing. And there's two personal qualities that we try to develop in our lives that help us to grow as parents of adult kids. They are humility and curiosity humility and curiosity. So, quote number one. This is something that you pulled up on your phone and told me that you've been looking at for a long time. 
Yeah, I discovered this a um, number of years ago. Um, and it says, parenting is about raising and celebrating the child you have, not the child you thought you'd have. It's about understanding they are exactly the person they're supposed to be. And if you're lucky, they might just be the teacher that turns you into the person that you're supposed to be. Yeah, and we have, we have really learned from our kids and we have tried to continue learning. Ten years ago, I decided it was time for me to get a master's degree when my daughter graduated with her bachelor's degree. I told her, Alyssa, we've got a race now and see who can get their master's degree first. And uh, through that journey for me, I learned a lot. And my kids ended up learning along with me. And Debbie learned along with me through that journey. So we want to continue to learn and grow. And honey, you said that uh, you have learned from Alyssa having Addie and Lucas. Talk about that for a minute. Um, I like to say that Addie and Lucas changed my life, and it's very true. Um, so 2014 um, was a hard summer for my daughter and her husband as um, she had had some miscarriages and they were struggling with infertility issues and um, they had kind of always felt that their family would grow through adoption, whether it would be biological children and adoption or what that would look like. Um, but they started on the journey of um, the process of um, wanting to adopt. And none of us knew going into it what a journey that would be. And um, you can't even describe it to somebody, um, the places that a journey like that will take you. And it will break your heart, and it's beautiful and wonderful, but it will um, also break your heart on a lot of different levels. Um, but Lucas and Addie each have their own story that I'm not going to tell um, because it's their story. But um, I did meet um, Addie's birth mom, and she changed my life. I will never, ever, ever forget that. And um, so for us, um, Addie and Lucas are you know, different than we are. They're not, um, they're not Caucasian children. And um, so now how they changed me is that when I see people in our community, people that you come in contact with who are brown or black people, um, I see my grandchildren in their faces and I see their birth families. I see their um, mom or their dad, their birth mom and dad, or that's, that's who I see. That's how I relate to them. And my compassion has grown and my heart has changed and in, enlarged. And um, so I, I feel very strongly about um, a lot of the things that are happening um, in our world today. And um, yeah, so thankfully, I mean, we'll never be the same in a wonderful way because of Addie and Lucas. Yeah, and you know, there are, there's a part of us that when we're challenged in an area, we kind of want to retreat, right, into our safe. This is what I've known. This is how I was raised. This is how I grew up. But when you get exposed to new things with family, it's different. You know, you could have friends that 
may expose you to something, an idea or whatever, now they're your friend or whatever. But it's, when it's your kid, and then there's a littler, little, littler kid that says, I'm your, your grandchild, and they're very different from you, and they have a different story, you have to open your heart and feel that and understand that and do something with that. So for us, if I were to use the term, I did this in the first service, um, if I were to say the term Black Lives Matter to you, what does that bring up inside of you, right? How do you feel? So for us, we think differently about that term. And if Addie was never there and Lucas was never there, I don't know how we would feel. I'd like to think we feel the same as we do now. But unfortunately, you know, there's this organization that's kind of co-opted that term, and it causes people to think certain things when they hear it, and it gets all this stuff gets thrown up, right? When we sang for years when we were kids, most of, many of us did when we were younger, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. That was fine. We like that. So a group of people that feel oppressed, that are oppressed, and that sense that, they feel like they're overlooked, they say, hey, we matter. Oh, yeah, no, no, everybody matters. Yeah, yeah, but we matter. Oh, everybody matters. You got to say everybody matters. You can't say you matter. It hits us differently because our daughter is raising a little black girl and she's raising a little Hispanic boy. She's got to teach them. What does it mean? She doesn't, want to, she doesn't want them to be white like her and her husband, their father. She wants Eddie to be a little black girl. She wants Lucas to be a little Hispanic boy. She wants them to be proud of their heritage and, and connect with that. Through all this struggle that they've gone through, we learn from that. And we become more empathetic toward people. And our our view of things kind of broadens. Um, and it's been really interesting. It's been interesting for us. And it's a journey that we're so glad that we're on. We're glad that we've, we've gone on this journey with them. And then, so, so the humility to say we don't know it all, we need to continue to learn. And then the curiosity to be curious about the things we don't know and about new ways of looking at and thinking about the world. Because when we're no longer curious, we stagnate. We stall in our development. And if our children are learning and growing, and we're not, there's a degree of separation that occurs. You know, that you remember maybe, maybe with your parents. I don't know all of your parents, right? But maybe you would go home when you were a young adult. And you went home, and it's like, you know, for, for me, going home was like stepping back into the 70s and 80s. It never changed. Often it was a lot the same. And I was learning and growing and changing, but you'd go home and everything would kind of be the same. But what if when you go home to your parents, they're learning and growing too. They want to know what you're learning. They want to learn new things. They're curious about life. And they want to join you on that journey. And, and we can do that. And I'm so glad, again, 10 years ago, I decided to, to get another degree because it just it exposed me to new people, new relationships, new places, new things, new ideas. And then I was able to take God's Word and take everything I had thought and heard before 
and then take some new things and through the grid of God's Word say, okay, where am I at in this area of truth with God's Word as my guide? And I've had a lot of growth. So we want to have time over time, and over time we want to continue to grow. And then the third principle is belief over time. And that's not so much belief in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's somewhat a given, okay? That's a given in our context of what we're talking about. Um, but belief in two other ways, belief in them, belief in our kids, and belief in the fact that we still, even though our kids are adults, we can make an impact in their lives as parents. So belief in them that even if they fail or do things differently than us, God is still involved in their growth and development. And they're adults who are going to be successful. And sometimes it's hard to believe when your kids take different twists and turns, right? You, you're scared. You're like, you, you want them to turn out well. And it's scary and it's, it's hard to believe sometimes. But we've always tried to have that belief in our kids. And you talk about a time when you were in a, a prayer group when our kids weren't always successful at everything that they were doing. Yeah, um, when our kids were younger, um, I was in a group with other moms, and uh, the purpose was to get together and pray for your children. And um, I discovered in the climate in that group was um, such that most people would share prayer requests about their kids, but they were always like, oh, pray for them because I just found out they got a full ride scholarship to go to such and such a college or, or, or to three different schools and they had to right. choose or they were winning accolades for whatever that they were attempting and they were always the it seemed to me at the time because I had kids that were struggling at that time um, that these parents only had successful stories to tell and their prayer requests to me were not you know anything that I could relate to and um, so it hurt my heart to go and um, to have kids that were struggling and I felt like I couldn't share it in that kind of a climate so ultimately um, I felt like it was best for me to to just pull away from there and and to just have my own time um, of praying for my kids but um, through that time it just kind of strengthened my resolve that um, my kids didn't have to be like every other kid, and my kids were God's gift to me, and I was the mom for them that I was supposed to be, and in spite of, um, you know, the struggles that, that they face. And each, each one of our four kids have had their times in life where things have been hard for them, or they've had a struggle with something, and um, our kids are not immune to, to struggle or... Um, hurtful things that have happened. You, you found this quote that you, that you mm -hmm. really liked. Yeah, um, and, and this was kind of um, inspirational for me. Um, Children need at least one person in their life who thinks the sun rises and sets on them, someone who delights in their, existent and loves, in their existence and loves them unconditionally, and um, so, yeah, I just found it uh, a hard time, but yet 
like a clarifying time too that my kids were who they were and they weren't someone else's kids they were my kids and I needed to walk through those hard times with them and it, it continues today with um, our adult children and now even with our grandchildren because my we have three three-year-old grandchildren and um, the two little boys um, I have found really enjoy hearing uh, cautionary tales about things that their dads did when they were little and um, it's fun for me to share share those times and their eyes get really big when they hear stories about when daddy was a little boy like me so and as they get older into their teenage years we have a lot more stories for them yes. that we can share and yes, we'll, we we'll be it'll be delightful to I'm do that I'm sure they're excited about that so she would tell me about this prayer group and she would say you know oh please please pray for my kid because they've got three full ride scholarships and they have to decide which one and it was just things like that over and over and over. And I finally told her, just, just leave. Because if you, it, it's discouraging. It's discouraging when you know, everything is wonderful. Because the truth is, everything's not wonderful. Life is good and bad, right? Life is good and bad. It's not just good. It's good and bad. It's, it's fun and it's hard at the same time. You have successes, but you have failures. And to, to, to pretend otherwise is really a lie. It's really a lie. And uh, for us, we've been through so much with our kids. And our kids have had, I mean, as kids go, they've been good kids. But every one of our four kids have gone through a lot of suffering. Uh, in their own way, in, in their own lives, they've gone through a lot of suffering. And if, if you're a teenager or a college student here, you're going through suffering, you can join our family because not one of my kids has not suffered greatly. And uh, as parents, we just have to walk through that with them, right? But your family isn't a failure just because your kid suffers or there, there's hardship. But for us to believe in them, belief over time, you're going to get through it, you're okay, you're going to get through it. You can handle it. Your response is more important than what happened. And how you overcome is more important than what happened to you. That belief over time is really important. And then, and secondly, our belief in our ability to make an impact in their lives, even though they don't need us in the same way anymore. They don't need us in the same way. But we can still have an impact. And, and every one of our churches, Debbie and I were talking that we've been in, there's been one couple in particular that kind of rise head and shoulders above all the others that have kind of been models for us in how to be a parent or how to be grandparents that have just, and every one of them were very real. And they've struggled and they've suffered. They've had loss. Remember one of them, their daughter got divorced and they had to watch their grandkids go through that. You know, another one, the, the, the guy lost his job. One of his kids lost their job, and that was difficult. And, and just, just the hardest things, sickness or, or somewhat of a disaster with grandkids. And we watched those couples go through it in really great ways, and that, that really help, helped us. Um, you talked about believing in our kids and affirming that belief in them. It's easy for us to tell our kids what they do wrong, it is harder for us, and especially when our kids are adults then, to affirm our belief in them. So something that I've tried to do um, over the years is 
um, when I see something in someone that um, that you admire or that you think they're doing a good job is, you know, don't just keep it inside, but but tell them. If you see something, say something. And um, sometimes even complete strangers, you know. Um, but with my kids, I've been purposeful to try and, um, you know, tell them when I see them doing a good job um, with something in their lives. And whether it's a text or in person or over the phone or whatever, um, and an example I can think of recently is um, our oldest son and his wife, they really like um, this little Chinese restaurant that they have near them. And it's a family-run business, and the little kids are there. And when they've gone in uh, before the pandemic, um, they've taken their little family in, and they uh, see the restaurant owner's family in the back eating and the kids helping. And so um, when everything first happened with um, COVID-19, um, they the restaurants were shut down. And so they, you know, missed, missed going there. And so they thought, well, maybe if they call, um, they could do takeout orders or whatever, but they weren't answering their phone for quite a long time. So they kept trying and one day, um, they answered the phone and they took their takeout order and um, my son was telling me about it and he said that he had a conversation with the owner and uh, she was telling him that, you know, things were pretty hard and, um, but they were open and so she was appreciative of their business and so my son told me that when he went to pay his bill that for a tip, he basically doubled his um whatever the cost of the food was, he gave as a tip as well. So his bill was double because he paid double for um, his food. And he told me that and I started thinking about it. And so I told him, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm so proud of you for doing that. And I said, that's, that's so encouraging to me as your mom. And I'm sure it was a blessing to them and an encouragement to them. And I said, that's something that Jesus would do. And I said, you're loving like Jesus. And um, so, just things like that, that when I see it in our kids, like, you know, you're being a great mom or, you know, I know that's, I know that you're having a hard day, but you're doing a good job and I'm proud of you. And um, just to speak those things and, and because I know when I was younger, um, those things would have been significant to me as a young mom um, in the midst of raising kids and stuff to, to get um, affirmation from your parents. Well, raising kids is all about relationships, right? It really is. It's not about who's right and who's wrong and who's in control. And I looked a little bit about parenting adult kids online and different resources and stuff. And I saw several that were, you know, if your adult kid is in your home, how much authority do you have over them? And I just think that's, that's, that's one way to look at it, but it's not very helpful because your kid wants to know are they respected? Do you like them? Are you proud of them? Do you care about what they think? Do you want to listen to them when they talk? Do you think they're making good choices? Do you want to spend time with them? You know, they want to know, are you invested in their lives? So it's all about relationships. So, so how about you? We shared three principles. How about you with your time? Your time with your kids? Time is something we can't get more of. And then, how about your growth? Are you 
giving yourself opportunity and putting yourself in places to grow along with your kids so that they can have you join them on their growth journey. And they don't feel like when they're talking about growing and learning and they're curious that they have to talk to other people besides their parents about it. And then you need to reaffirm your belief in either them, because maybe they've made some choices that weren't so helpful, and all of our kids have made unhelpful choices at different times, or, or is it you need to reaffirm your belief in yourself that you can have an impact on your kids' lives, even though you're older and they're older. So maybe some of those things would speak to you. We're thankful. We're thankful for our kids and our grandkids. And we also know drama lies ahead, right? For us in our lives or in their lives, there's going to be drama. There's going to be good and bad. But God is with us, walking with us through it all. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for our kids, for our grandkids. Thank you, Lord, for your word and the the principles and the teaching, the encouragement. And God, there is a time for everything and help us to show up in the lives of our kids at just the right time. And God, I pray for those parents here this morning. I pray for all of you here this morning. God, that you, you would speak to each parent where they're at. What time is it, Lord, in their lives? What time is it in the life of their kid? And how do they need to lean into their relationship with their kids? and to be Jesus to their kids, and to be the parent, Lord, that you're calling them to be in this moment. Help us, God, as we parent our adult kids to do it with wisdom, with grace, and with love. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.